And everybody says together. Oh, we can do better. Than, I know it's early. Come on. Everybody said? Amen. All right. All right. I'm excited to be here. I, every time we gather, I'm like, God, I know you're showing up. You don't have to show off. You just show up and I'm good. I just want to be where he wants us to be. And I'm so glad that you're here today. Today, if this is your first time with us at NVCC, we just, as uh, Pastor Zach had mentioned, we just want to say a warm hello. Really want you to feel like part of the family here. And I just want to say I'm excited because we are on mission. Amen? His mission. To reach as many souls as possible as we can. Don't we believe the Bible to be true that God loves everyone everyone, and he wants the entire world, and we get to join in his mission, and that is where the series is right now, bringing them back alive, baby. We are bringing people back from death to life through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we get to participate with God. So uh, we're going to get into this. If you have your Bibles, I just want you to make a note at Mark chapter 4, one of the great parables that Jesus taught us and uh, I just believe God has something for us. Do you believe that? Good. I wanted to touch on what's happening on Israel and just um, recap a little bit um, from God's word. There's a lot of voices out there. There's a lot of opinions. I guess um, the, the longer that I live on this earth, I'm not so concerned about what man says. I'm really concerned about what is God saying in this. And that's what I want to talk about for just a quick minute before we get into uh, the series this morning. I got a phone call last week from the rabbi here in Mission Viejo. His name is Rabbi Marcus. He is such a gentle soul. He, from the moment that I met him years ago, he's just right up here on the corner of Tribuco and Marguerite. He's at the Shabbat. And uh, from the moment I met him, I just, I just liked him. <laughs> I just liked him. And um, he opened up his heart, and uh, we just sat around and talked and had some uh, conversations. And I actually went over to one of their, they don't call them services, but I went and sat through one of them through our security team when there was some attack on, do you remember, uh, on Poway, there was, in Poway, there was an attack on one of the synagogues, and then in Pennsylvania. So we had immediately called over there and said, hey, can we do anything for you? Can we help? Yeah, we kind of need some help with security. I said, we're on it. So our entire security team went over on that Saturday and just sat with them and just had some extra eyes for them. And, you know, I just believe Jesus called us to serve everybody. And so we, we get to do that. So I got a call from him last week and said, you know, I want to have a prayer vigil, just a, a vigil, a candlelight vigil here in Mission Viejo at uh, one of the parks right over here in Norman P. Murray Center, the Village Green. Um, would, you, would you attend? I said, absolutely, absolutely. So I just want to say, there were so many of you that showed up. I was, I, I, when I uh, drove up and walked on the, the grass area, and there was probably maybe, I want to say, four or 500 people there from the city that night. Our city council was there. Our mayor was there. And um, it was just, there wasn't really any agenda other than he sang some songs in Hebrew. He read some scriptures, some psalms, Psalm 122, the 23rd Psalm. It was just beautiful. And so there was just a lot of love there. You know, and I think we need a whole lot more of that. But when he asked us to participate, I just want to say to those of you that came, and I know maybe some of you that wanted to go, but I know you were just standing in prayer. Um, thank you so much. I was just so proud of our MVCC fam, um, just that we're with and supporting and worshiping God and um, loving everybody. Now, I wanted to talk about just real quick um, 
I've been watching Fox News, CNN, and all the news, yeah, because I like to get both perspectives. There came a point when all this started up last Saturday, the war um, in Israel. This, there was a moment that I said, I have to shut the TV off. God, what are you saying? And so I just, I went into this, like, it was like half the Saturday. I started just reading scripture. I was watching what some of the pastors were saying, biblically, what's happening. And I wanted to share with you what I believe God has already predicted and what is happening and what can we do. Are you with me? Okay, let's look up here. I wanted to make this really clear. 50 years ago, by the way, this is all facts. This is not um, Pastor Mike's opinion. This is not what the church believes. It's not, this is just all facts, what I want to share with you out of the word. 50 years ago was the last time that Israel was at war. In 1978, on Yom Kippur, Israel was attacked. We know that. That's just a known fact. Now, the interesting thing is the Bible predicted all of these things. So this should not take us by surprise. We should not panic. We don't have to worry. Bible predicted thousands of years ago that the end time would revolve around or surround Jerusalem. So that's why our eyes are always on Jerusalem. Even before this started, we're always watching Jerusalem because we know that Jesus one day is going to return and set up his kingdom once again for a period of time. Whichever you believe about the tribulation period, Jesus will reestablish his kingdom. And Jerusalem is where it all started and where it will end. So that's why we, our eyes are fixed on Jerusalem. Let's, a few more here. So Israel, the Bible predicted, we're back on that prophetic word. We don't have time to go through every scripture, but I'll, at the end of this, I, I want to challenge you to do something. It was all predicted in the scripture that Israel, the Israelites, the Jewish people would be scattered. So scholars believe this took place at 70 AD when Rome ransacked uh, Jerusalem and destroyed the city, burned it down. They were scattered uh, from among their homeland. And also during the, the Holocaust, many believe that was a prediction from Scripture that that was going to happen. On May 14th, 1948, that was a big day because that's when Israel was determined by the UN, I believe God had a hand in that, that they were now considered a nation. What I love is the United States of America was the first country to recognize them as a nation. Right? Isn't that great? Now, this is where it gets good. In Ezekiel, Ezekiel 37 and 38, it's predicted that there would be a regathering of God's people. So the regathering happened here as a nation, but I believe that's just part of that, and I'll get to that in just a second. The Lord said after this regathering, Israel would once again be attacked, which is what we're seeing now. In Ezekiel 38, 15, and 16, Magog, forces who are of the north of Israel, will attack. Let's go to the next slide. So, the northern part of where Israel is, we don't know exactly. We don't know if that's Russia. We don't know exactly. But the forces north of Israel will attack Israel. We don't know if that's already been in play But I just believe this in the days and weeks and months to come. If we start to see that happen, I just believe we are getting so, so close to the return of Christ, which that's the good part I want to get to. So there will be the regathering of Israel. That's fact. There will be a war. Forces from the north align together. But here's the good part. In the scripture, it talks about there will be a great awakening among God's chosen. And I believe the entire world. So the great awakening means to the gospel. That means the people that have been part of the Jewish race, which why it's so important that we um, 
Our eyes are fixed on Jerusalem when we understand the Jewish nation. That's where Jesus came from. He came from that Jewish lineage. So it's so important that we read the text, we read the scripture. We want to be aware of what the scripture says. There will be a great awakening. I believe that's coming soon. I really do. Just because of all the events, wars, rumors of wars, earthquakes, famines, dangers, all these things, uh, pandemics are also in there. So I believe we are so close. So what's the chain of events that we now should be looking for? The rapture is going to happen. I just got to say, I'm ready to go. Man, I am so ready to go. And if the Lord takes us up in a rapture, whenever that happens, we want to be ready. The Antichrist will then emerge on the scene. Now, this is why it just, you know, I used to read about this in Bible seminary. And even as a young Christian, we'd go to different seminars and stuff and talk about, he'd talk about this 666 and watch out for these things. And I remember when I heard those things and read the text in scripture, it was all just seemed kind of far off. That's someday, maybe like thousands of years away. Can I just say that through the events of our economy, our our medical, our racism in our uh, world, all the things that are happening, the pandemic, everything that has been so global, we are so set up, so set up for someone to emerge on the scene and call everything together and appear that he can pull all of these things back together again and he will be so sly and so slick, he will even set himself up as God in Jerusalem. But pre-trib, if you're pre-trib, if you believe that we're raptured out of here before all that, which I personally hold that view, there's three different views, we won't be here. We're not going to be here during all that. So three and a half years of, seems like it's going to be bliss. Three and a half years of it will be hell on earth. He will demand all worship to him. The mark of the beast will all be in place. All that's going to happen. Here's the thing. God is close to the brokenhearted. Whether it's 3,000 miles away or across the street. Jew, Gentile, slave, free, black, white, Puerto Rican, Hispanic, Asian. God loves everyone. And he wants us to be praying for everyone. And it doesn't matter who we are or where we've come from. The scripture is clear. He is close to those. There's a lot of pain and suffering right now. And this is what I want to get to. What can we do about all of this? Number one, the Bible, God's word says to pray. Psalm 122, verse 6, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Now, We are to pray, not only, I believe, peace in the Middle East. We are praying for that to happen. We want this war to stop. We don't want any more bloodshed. We don't want anyone to be suffering or die, correct? So we need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. God said to do that. But here's the thing that I don't believe it was just a physical peace. I believe he's talking about pray for the people of Jerusalem the Jewish people, that they come to an understanding of who Jesus is and he becomes their peace. Everybody. Palestinians, Jewish people, God wants every person. Second Peter 3, 9. He died for every person. He wants everyone to know him as Lord and Savior. So we need to pray for people to come to Christ through all this. We want their eyes to be open. Just like one day our eyes were open, weren't they? To the gospel. And we love Jesus so much, we want everybody to understand that. Amen? Number two is to pray for our leaders. We are commanded to do that. We are commanded to love mercy Walk humbly with our God. And we are told in the book of Timothy to pray for our leaders. 
We need to pray for all those leaders around that wisdom, God surrounds them with godly wisdom. God can do all that. We need to be praying for them. We also need to be, number three, praying for the innocent. It's just heartbreaking to me, some of the images that are happening right now as we speak. And we need to pray for those, the innocent ones, that this stops quickly. The next one is, and this is what I want to challenge you with. It's good to be informed. It's good to know what's going on. But I want to challenge us to be in the word about all this. What does God say about the end times? What does he say about the order of things? What does he say about the rapture? What does he say about the second coming? I want to, this is the time. If, if we don't know some of that, this is the perfect time to dig in. Yes, it's okay to be informed. But we don't need to be watching the news all day long. I think we need to be in his news. And what he's doing and what he's going to do. Stay strong. And here's the best part of it. This is a wonderful time to share the gospel. Right now. People are scared. They are frightened. They are panicked. They are worried. This is a great time to share our story, which is what I want to talk about now in the series that we're in. Are we all together on this? Let's give, let's give God, God, thank you that you're patient, loving kindness, your tenderness, your compassion, your mercy. And God, thank you for your truth. I pray, God, you would remove me from this message today. I don't want to be seen, God. I want you to be seen. Jesus, we want you to have the platform. We want you to have the glory. God, we pray you'd release the power of your Holy Spirit in this place. And among our city, God, we want everybody in our city to know the love of Jesus, your love, God. And I pray, Lord, in your name that you would release healing and miracles and signs and wonders that people would say, there you are, Jesus. I know that you're alive. I know that you're real. I want to know more about you. God, we humble ourselves. We love mercy. We walk humbly, God, with you. And we ask now a prayer of passion for the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. My wife and I were newly married. We were married maybe about a year and a half. We lived right over here. You know those um, apartments that are right across from the Mormon uh, church there on uh, Marguerite all the way through. It's before you get to the shops at Mission Mall, right? Anyway, there's a set of uh, apartments there. They used to be all white. My wife and I rented one, and I remember when we first moved in there, it feels like we're in bedrock. We're in the Flintstones. That's what it looked like. So we had a little one-bedroom apartment. She worked at the gymnastics place right over off Alicia Parkway, and I was uh, volunteering and serving here as a junior high servant. And... Uh, <laughs> Yes, you can live after junior high ministry. <laughs> I love those kids. I love that age group. So anyway, there was um, someone. She was uh, one of the coworkers that my wife was with. She was maybe in her mid-20s. That's about the age we were at. I'm about 35 now, so that wasn't too long ago. So um, she began to just kind of strike up conversations, went out to lunch with her. She had a lot of pain and suffering in her life. So my wife just decided she was just serve her, love her, listen to her. And eventually the gospel came up. The Lord transformed my wife's life like overnight. She had just a lot of darkness in her past, a lot of self-hatred and just a lot of stuff. And Jesus absolutely freed her from all of that. He so transformed her life. She just wanted everybody to know. So um, Kathy was her name. And so um, she accepted the Lord. She started coming with us to MVCC here. We were so excited. She came to the Lord. We got to be a participant in bringing her back from death to life, seeing her life transformed. Something happened at her home, and she was no longer able to live there, and she was looking for a, an apartment, so she was in between places. And my wife said, well, just come stay with us until you find a new apartment, because when we read the Bible, we're supposed to 
help people, right? So she, came, she called me on the phone, and this is before they had cell phones. She called me at work. And she says, hey, by the way, Kathy's going to stay with us until she can find a new apartment. I said, okay. You know, that's just kind of the way Christianity was back in the day. You didn't think so much. You didn't process through. You didn't negotiate with yourself. If Jesus said, feed the poor, love the unlovely, we just want to do that. I'm not saying that we did perfect in this, but we were trying. Lord, I'm trying. So she came and stayed with us for a couple of weeks. It was about the third week. We woke up one morning. Her stuff was gone. She was gone. Nowhere to be found. And the little envelope that we had kept in the back of our uh, cupboard in the kitchen where they had, we had some dishes, there was an envelope back there with some cash in there. And when I saw in disarray her, where she was, her area where she had all her stuff was gone, the cupboards were open and that envelope was gone. She had stolen our money, our savings. Now, before, I don't want you to feel sorry for me because what we were saving for was a VHS player. (laughs) My point of all this is that when that happened, I started, there was a little bit of me that started blaming myself. If we could have, we should have, We should have done better. We should have got her into a discipleship program. We should have done better at helping her to understand the highs and lows. And life isn't going to be perfect when you follow Jesus now. It's it's tough sometimes. There's a lot of joy, but sometimes there's a lot of heartache and rejection. And it's going to be tough, but we're with you. And I felt like, you know, we didn't do a good job of discipling her. And that was just my natural human response to all this. I was sad. I was bummed. I didn't want to see her leave the Lord. But then the Lord is so gracious and kind. And I hope that she came back to the Lord. Don't have any idea. But the Lord was speaking to my heart about how does all this work when we want so much to bring people from death to life and we see a spark of interest in their life and they may receive the Lord and they may start coming to church with us and then everything starts to kind of cool off. Is it us? How does that work? How does the heart really change? What role do we play? Are you with me? That's where Jesus spoke so beautifully in this parable, this story. In fact, the book of Mark, which we're going to look at, has 24 parables. It's the most uh, filled gospel with all the parables and stories. Now, Jesus was the master storyteller. And I believe because Jesus told the stories mostly to Gentile people, to sinners, people like us, right? Unless there's some Jewish people here, which, man, whenever I meet a Jewish person, I say, can I just touch you for a moment? You're like of royalty, man. I just, that's where Jesus came, the bloodline of Jesus, which reminds me, whenever I find unique situations, I'm always looking, where are you, God, in this? When I see someone at the lottery station, you know, getting their tickets out of the lottery, I, I go over there and touch him on the shoulder and I say, hey, by the way, if you hit the big one, I think it was 1.6 billion or something. I, I said, could you give some to Mission Vale Christian Church? Here's my card. I'm, I'm serious. I do that. Why not? Jesus came to people like us and we were all searching. We were all looking for something. We did not come out of the womb saved, sanctified, and holy. We came out of the womb lost. And Jesus, thank God, found us. And where he went back in the day when he was here on earth 2,000 years ago, he went into the bars. He went into the streets. He went into the places where sinners were. That's where Jesus got so much flack from the religious people saying, why are you hanging out with sinners and prostitutes and thieves and murderers? 
I did not come to call the righteous, he said in the book of Luke. I came to call the sinners, man. And I'm just so glad that Jesus saved me. I don't consider myself a religious person. I'm not religious. I don't have religion. Man, I just have Jesus. And he saved me and he made me whole. And now I'm just trying to follow him every day of life. And when he told these stories, he was talking to people that were so empty. They were so tired. They were at the end of themselves. They wanted so much. They were looking for something of substance. Isn't that where our world is right now? Time is ticking down. Time is short. You have people, I have people in my life. You want them to know the Lord, right? I I hope this is some biblical, helpful help today that we can move into somebody's life and see the proper order that God gave us of when we reach out to somebody with the love of Jesus. Okay, let's read this together in Mark chapter four. Jesus also said he was doing some additional teachings, but in this moment, and I love Jesus because he says this many times, the kingdom of God is like. You know when, when someone's talking to you and they say, you know when this happens and you, oh yeah, and there's a connection. That's why Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a, now back in that day, farming was part of their culture. In Mission Viejo, I have a friend who lives in Virginia. I said, what'd you do today? I called him last week. He says, well, I went out to feed the chickens. And as he was talking, I saw this like straw sticking out of his teeth. And I could see some of his teeth missing. Just imagining, you know, he had a hat on and overalls. And that's their culture. Jesus' culture was farming, farming. with Everybody knew about that. So he says, the kingdom of God is like a farmer who scatters the seed on the ground. Night and day. While he's asleep. Or awake, the seed sprouts and grows. But he does not understand how it happens. And the earth produces the crops on its own. First, a leaf blade pushes through. Then the heads of wheat are formed. And finally, the grain ripens. And as soon as the grain is ready, the farmer comes and the harvest is with a sickle, harvest it with a sickle, for the harvest time has come. Now, I just imagine as Jesus is telling this story, this parable, it might have been in the mind of some of the disciples that when Philip ran up and tried to find Jesus, just see with me for a moment, Jesus is often walking places. It was a walk and talk ministry that Jesus had with his disciples. And there's at some point, there were more than 12 people following Jesus. People came and went. I just imagine maybe 50, 60 people that were following the Lord. And Philip wanted to get up to the front with him. He tapped him on the shoulder and said, Lord, you've been talking about the Father for the last three years. You're talking about God. Show us the Father. This is all in John chapter 14. And Jesus looked at Philip and said, Philip, if you've seen me, then you've seen the Father. Philip says, oh, So when Jesus told these parables like this one, he wanted them to see God. The farmer is you and me in this context. The seed is the word of God, the good news. And the dirt, the soil, the work is God's part. Now, I want to break this down a little bit because I believe that God has something for us today. Do you believe that? 
I just want us to see that the obedience, the job of the farmer is simply to obey, to just follow what God said. The role of God is to bring forth the growth. So God's given us purpose and promise. What's life about? What am I supposed to be doing? God, should I go to this college? Should I go to this school? Should I grab this job? Should I marry this person? Should I be single? What should I do, God? Should I move here? Should I move to New Jersey? What do you, God, should I go to a mission field or should I work in the medical? God, what, what's your will for my life? God has a universal will that's the same for every believer. Then he has a specific will for each of us. Sometimes we get those two mixed up and we think it's so confusing It's really not. God gave us a purpose and he gave us a promise. And the purpose for every single one of us is very simple. Wherever we are, we are to go. As you go in life, I want you to share the good news of Jesus Christ, how you live and what you say. That's really what matters in life, doesn't it? That's really what life is all about. Because at the end of the day, all this stuff is going to be gone. Physically, we're going to be, I know that's not a happy thought, but we're not going to live forever. The statistic is true. One out of one will die. We're all going to leave this earth. So where are we going? Where are your friends going? Your family, people that you work with, people that you're in class with, people that you interact with, your neighbor that's next to you on each side, across the street, everywhere you are in life, God wants to use us as an agent of change. And can I remind us that the good news is really good. In fact, I want to change. You've seen probably on Good News Bibles, you know, on the very cover, some of those Bibles that say good news. I want to say it's great news. It's not just good news. It's great news. And the good news is simply this. We were created by God. We are loved by God. We have all sinned, Romans 3.23. We've all done wrong. We've all broken God's law. We've all lied. We've all cheated. We've all stolen. We've all done something. In fact, we just want to get real about this. I've broken every single one of the Ten Commandments. So God, you got me. I, I surrender, Lord. And when we surrender to him, Jesus comes into our life. He saves us. He calls us. And he fixes us. And it's a lifelong process of all that. And now because we're so excited about what we found, who we found, that he found us, he chose us, and we get to be with him forever, and now we get to serve him forever, life takes on a whole new purpose. When you're going to work, or when you're at home, full-time parents, or wherever you are, student, whatever season of life you are in, your purpose and my purpose is the very same thing. To walk with Jesus and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And doesn't mean you have to know everything. You just tell your story. Tell your story. There's open doors all the time that Jesus gives us about people that are searching and looking and looking and searching. And he says, I just want you to tell them the story and where I brought you. People relate to stories, don't they? They relate to your life. If they trust you, they're going to listen to your story. Sometimes the work of what we're talking about here, bringing people from death to life, would you agree? It's hard. It's not easy, especially in our society. Things are getting worse and worse and worse. It used to be last, about a decade ago, I noticed a change in our culture that people tolerated Christianity and Christians. Now there's a force against the church, against Christians, that we are We are the worst hypocritical people on the face of the earth. We're narrow-minded. We get kind of lumped into all that. Have you noticed that? So we're already starting with two strikes against us. I I get that. And our response is not, well, they should get it right. 
Well, they should fix their life. They should get off drugs. They should stop the racism. They should stop the stealing. They should stop, 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 stop. And Jesus is saying, "Uh uh-uh, it doesn't work that way because you were just like that. We need to change. If I could just go off teleprompt just for a second here, not that I have one, but if I could just go off for a minute, this is the time for the church, the church to be on our knees. It's time for us to humble ourselves, cry out to God, what's happening in the Middle East, what's happening all over the world, what's happening across the street from me, what's happening across the street from you. God, we need you again. We need you in our nation. We need you in our homes, our schools. Jesus, we need the Holy Spirit again back in the church. The church is is the one that God always uses to change culture. He's not gonna use politics. He's not gonna use policies. He uses people who have a changed life to affect others' lives. And now is the time for us to stand up. Oh, I should say this. It's time for us to bend our knee and cry out to God like we've never cried out before and say, oh God, we have contributed to the problems in our culture and what have we done as a church across this great nation? And God, what do you wanna do to change me? Change me, change me, God. That's what we need. That's what they need. Have I forgotten that I was once lost? Well, I've been following Jesus for so long now that sometimes I forget I was lost, man. I was on my way to destruction. I was under the judgment of God. I was under the wrath. There's a real wrath of God. But he saved me. He saved you by his grace. And now he just wants us to share that. And the farmer, we are the farmer throwing it out. But sometimes I don't know how it works. If I get so stuck in how does this work, God? Do I have to reach into their heart? Do I have to tell them some sappy story so that they'll cry and that they'll accept Jesus? How do I I psychologically understand what's going on and the psyche of this person? I don't have to do all that because the scripture says that God does the work under the dirt. I I heard this one, let the dirt do its work. Let God do the work, the harvest part. We just get to work, love, serve, honor people, respect people, serve people, share our story with them, listen to their hopes, listen to their dreams, listen to some of their fears, listen to what they don't believe about the church, listen to why they don't like God or they don't want anything to do with God. Listen to all those things. And it's God is the one who reaches down into the heart through your life, seeing your life and the power of scattering that word that there's something that happens in the heart And back in Acts chapter 16, the apostle Paul, great apostle Paul, who wrote through uh, most of the New Testament, he's on one of his journeys with his companions, and the Lord leads them to go down to a place called Philippi. And as they're on their way, there's a, a vast river down there in Acts 16. He goes down to the river, and the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, I want you to go down where there's these women who are washing, uh, doing some of their... Um, material washing there were she, the lady's name was Lydia she was a very wealthy woman she had her own business and she was doing things with uh, the the material that she was selling and as they're down by the river Paul strikes up a conversation and it says it actually says in there God opened up Lydia's heart click 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 it clicks and God does the work in the heart I don't know how that works all I want to do is be available 
All I want to do is be surrendered to the moment. I want to be surrendered to what God is doing. When, when my wife and I lived in Hawaii, fast, you know, five years after we lived here in Bedrock, we moved to Hawaii, which was so much better. And as we lived there, she worked for a, an organization called Teen Care. Teen Care is an organization on the island of Oahu. They have such a problem with a marijuana, or they call it their pakalolo, and drugs and alcohol. It's such a problem on the high school campus. They hired three full-time workers to be on campus full-time to counsel with students who start slipping in their grades. And then they find out, you know, the smoking pot and all this stuff. And just a lot going on. Three full-time workers. And so my wife was one of them because she just, she, at the, that was a season where she had all her training in, in drug abuse and not abusing drugs and getting people stopping drug abuse. And as she was there, she met one of the workers named Terry. I'd go and pick her up uh, in the afternoon after school was over and I'd meet Terry. We'd talk to Terry. Laura spent most of the time with Terry and she again was sharing with Terry, just, you know what, God, why are you guys moved here to Hawaii? Oh, my wife's a, or my husband's a youth pastor and tell the whole story. And then something was touching his heart about God. So it was the very first Harvest Crusade in Waikiki, the very first one Greg Laurie ever did in Hawaii. It was at the Waikiki Shell. And I remember he did all this promotion for it. I thought, this is so cool. We got to bring people. So I asked Terry, I said, Terry, man, would you like to go to this thing called Harvest Crusade? It's at the Waikiki Shell. Everybody knows where it is. He goes, yeah, I'd like to do that. So we had Kentucky Fried Chicken before we went to the Waikiki Shell. And we sat down at the Waikiki Shell. I'm sure we got there really early. We got really good seats. And Greg Laurie's given the gospel, man. And the music's playing. All of a sudden, as we're sitting, Terry gets up at the end of the invitation and he starts walking down. I don't know how that happened. All I was was available. It's not me. It's not you. God does the work in the heart. That's what takes the pressure off of us. You do not have to win someone. You don't have to get a notch under your belt. You don't have to figure out, what do I say here? How do I do this? You just share. The love of Jesus takes over, and God does the work. Even if they walk away from you and say, eh, I don't want anything to do with your church stuff. I know you Christians, and they say, no, that's just not ready for that. Don't be discouraged. Don't be discouraged because they can go home and when they lay their head on the pillow at night, like everybody does, everybody starts thinking. Everyone does it. Even your pastors have sleepless nights. My wife, when she was diagnosed with the cancer, came back as I thank you so much for your prayers and, and you're just loving us. But when she um, was diagnosed again, she said, I want one of those sleep number beds. I said, Really? I said, you got it. Now, as I'm driving to look at these things at the shops, and then I went to the Spectrum to look at it and check them out and everything, I'm thinking, how am I going to pay for this thing? How am I, it's, I said, you, honey, you, you want that? We're going to get that. I don't know, but God's going to take care of it. God will take care of all this. Can I just say we got that bed ordered a couple days ago? She hasn't been out of that bed yet. <laughs> it is so cool. It goes up, it goes down, it goes sideways, it goes twirls. It, it, you can do, uh, one side is cooling, one side is warm. I mean, it asks you in the morning, what kind of coffee do you want? I mean, it's just, she calls it the command center. I just, my wife's awesome. And the reason that I bring that up is, I don't know how that thing works from my phone. I don't know how when I can watch a visual live on television, it is halfway around the world. I don't know how that works. But I accept it. I see that it works. It's working. 
How does a soul get saved? I don't need to know every little thing before we share the gospel. I trust, man, let the God of all heaven do the work. We're just available. Now, that doesn't mean that, well, just God will save everybody. I don't really need to say anything because if I say something to somebody, it's going to create controversy. I just want to say this. Get in the controversy. It's okay. A little bit of conflict is good. You maintain what we talked about the scripture saying in Micah. Love, mercy, compassion, listening, humility, right? Even Mary, when she was visited by the angel, the great Christmas story, which in a couple months, I love Christmas time. We get to once again revisit the whole story. You're going to have a child. What did she ask? Do you remember? How? Will this be? I've never been with a man. How is this going to happen? And then he explains through the Holy Spirit. She doesn't know exactly how. She just trusted God. And then she breaks out in praise. And she gets to carry the Son of God for nine months and bring forth the Messiah. Which we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for the Messiah. I don't need to know everything. I don't need to know how everything works. What I love is that God simply uses unlikely people in the most dire of situations to give them the love of God and show them the way to heaven. Abraham was a man in the old, the Jewish people came from Abraham and Sarah. But if we go back to that original account, it was Abraham that jumped ahead of God. Do you remember? When's the promise coming? It was 70 years. God, you still haven't brought my son. And he went out of God's will and blew it. And God still used him. Yes, a man of impatience. Just like we are impatient, God still uses us. For the gospel. Esther, who had a request from the king, she saved an entire nation because she had the boldness and courage to make a request from the king. She wasn't perfect. Rahab was a prostitute. She trusted God and she helped the spies to escape in the Old Testament. Samson, who was strong, he was a womanizer and God used him to kill a Philistine army to protect Israel way back in the day. My point is that God uses everyone. It's not a license to sin, but lest we think, well, I can't share the gospel. I can't give the good news to somebody because they know the real me. It's okay to say, man, I was a mess then. I'm a little bit of a mess now, but I was really a mess then. But Jesus changed my life, I'd love to tell you. God can use us. God is using you. I can't tell you how many people come as a guest to MVCC. And every time someone comes here as a guest, It is truly an honor to have somebody take the time to come and check out this place. You, almost, I will tell you almost 90% of the time when I make a phone call and we have a wonderful pastoral team, they follow up. We try to do a good job of following up on every person and we want it to be genuine. We don't just send out a text and send out an email. We call. I'm just so glad you're here. Is there anything that we can help you with? 90% of the time people will say, I loved the church and they didn't mean the building. They're talking about you. They said, I was so accepted. It was such a loving place. It was so warm. It felt genuine. They're using words like real authenticity at your your church. So, well, that's, that's God. We're just so, so grateful to be a part of what he is doing. Share the good news. Share your story. Don't let what you don't know keep you from doing what you do know. That's a word. Put that in the chat if you're watching online because I, I wrote that down. That's for me today. I don't need to know everything. 
All I need to know is he is working and I just want to be available. Amen? Now, I just want to close with this. There was an incredible football player, played for the 49ers. You might remember this name, Deion Sanders. Anybody know this guy? Incredible, talented, gifted. Not only did he play for the San Francisco 49ers, he won two Super Bowl titles. He also played pro baseball. Yankees, Braves, Cincinnati Reds, and San Francisco Giants. Now he's the head coach of the University of Colorado football team. He's doing an amazing job. Everyone's talking about it. It's not so much about the football and the coaching is his life. Have you seen some of the stuff on TikTok and Instagram and Facebook? He is just so excited about Jesus Christ. And he, I just wanted to show you a minute and a half uh, clip here of what he says. And I, I want you to be so encouraged by two things. I want you to hear a word that he uses and then we're gonna recap. I'm gonna test you on it. I'm going to ask you, what's the word that he used that's key in there? And that watch his excitement. He's so excited. And then I want you to listen to the statistic of how many times he heard the gospel before he finally came to Jesus. Let's watch this. If you're there, what's the word of hope that changes that? The word of hope is sooner or later, you're going to have to surrender. You're going to have to surrender. Because you may not see it now. You may not know it now. But life is so much better if you just surrender. Why are you fighting a fight that's already fixed? Surrender. I, I didn't really know what that meant when I see people on, on television come out. You know the old western, they came with their hands up. They're surrendering. They say, you got me. I, you got me. I'm not fighting no more. You got me. Don't shoot. Don't, I, you got me. And that's how I went to God. And see, I had a moment. That's why nobody can't tell me nothing about the gospel of Christ Jesus. Nobody can't tell me nothing about who he isn't because I had a moment right in a room in Cincinnati, Ohio, a condo by myself. When I finally got on my knees that night and I surrendered, I said, Lord, if you here, take me, take me, I'm yours. And the lights that came into that room, the sound and the wind whistling and it, and it came through that room and it's like papers was flying and the light was so bright and radiant that I was just crying out, Lord, take me, take me. And it was, it was so the most beautiful thing I ever saw. I had a real visitation. God has always spoken to me and I've always knew it was him. I just wasn't ready at that particular time to accept the charges because I felt like it was going to cost me too much. I could do this. I don't have to be perfect. Pastor, I just got to be present. God hadn't called me to be perfect. He called me to be present. God hadn't called me to the pulpit. He called me to the street. God hadn't called me <laughs> to the altar. He called me to the field. My ministry is everywhere I am. It's not just isolated in this place. It's everywhere I go. Wow. I love that. I'll tell you what, I've watched that like 52 times just because he's so excited about God. When's the last time you've been around somebody who's like, Jesus is everything to me. I had an encounter with God. What's the word that he used? Surrender. You got it. I love it. I love our church. Surrender. Did you notice how many times, I'm not sure it was specific, but he heard the gospel many times until he was ready to surrender. Here's what I want to say about this. You and I have people in our life You've been sharing, you've been praying, you've been loving, 
Don't get discouraged. The average statistic, it says people need to hear the gospel six times, minimum of six times before they receive Jesus. Don't give up. Keep loving, keep serving, keep sharing. You're doing great. One of our dreams is uh, on our pastoral team is that you come up on a Sunday morning or you give us a call or your life group. You're saying, oh my gosh, you're not gonna believe this. What happened at work? I was sharing with my friend Susie and all of a sudden she just says, you know what? I need to know God. We grabbed hands. We received Christ together. I helped her to receive Christ. And now she's here at church wanting to grow in her relationship with Jesus. That's the way it's supposed to be. We are out there available, but God does the work. Fall Fest is an amazing, we do this once a year. It's an opportunity. I want every single one of us to invite one, at least one person because people matter. Souls matter. It's about receiving souls into the kingdom. He does the work. We just are available. And if they come to Fall Fest, we go, oh yeah, I'll go to your church. You got a carnival thing and food and all that good stuff. And yeah, we need 250 people to make this happen from MVCC to volunteer. You can volunteer and invite somebody. It can all happen because God does the work. God does the work. Let's finish with just a few things of practicality here. What do we do? Don't let what you don't know keep you from sowing the seed. It's okay. I don't need to know everything. And as a leader, it's just something within me. I like to know everything that's going on. And God says, you don't need to know everything. Let me do my part. Number two is you don't have to know, as we said. Three is connect with someone. When, when I... When, when I, the way that Jesus connected with people is he was down in the streets with them. He was with them in their homes. Did, did you hear what Deion Sanders said? My ministry's on the field. My ministry's in the streets. We are, we are there, right? We're already there. God simply wants to use us where we are. Pray for someone. And what I mean by that is put it down in your prayer journal. Put it in your prayer list. Put their, literally put their name so that you can focus. Whenever you have your prayer time, Lord, I am praying so much that Eric comes to Jesus. God, enter his heart. Change his heart. Help me, God. If I'm supposed to be a part of this equation, God, I know you don't need me, but God, if you want to use me, that kind of prayer, Lord, use, or Lord, if it's not me, use somebody else. Use somebody else to bring the gospel. And then, oh, this is a big one. Open up my mouth and share the good news, the great news. Amen? Amen. Now, if you're here today, think, you know what? As that text was read in Mark 4, I'm not so sure I'm in the right place with God. I want to be. If that's you today, I want to help you receive Christ right now. There's stuff going on in Israel. I can't make sense of it. It's horrible. Everything's going on. And what's, what is, God prophesied all that. It's going to happen. He didn't cause it all, but he knew it was going to happen. And here's the end of that message is that Jesus is coming soon. I am convinced, just my opinion, we are in the last generation before Jesus comes or the rapture happens. So I want us all to be ready. If you're watching online, I want you to be ready. So we're going to do that right now. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. And if that's you today, I just want you to pray in your spirit. You just pray along with me. The best prayer you can ever pray. Lord Jesus, I need you. I want you. I surrender my life. I recognize 
Lord, I've blown it in my life. Would you forgive me, God? I, I want to receive you now. I believe that you died on a cross. I believe that you have risen from the dead. I, I don't understand everything. I don't need to know everything. But that I understand. And so on that, God, I want you in my life. Help me, Holy Spirit, to now live for Jesus every day of my life. This is my prayer, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.